Welcome back to Off the Net. I'm your host, BJ Picard. Thanks for hitting the download button. Super Bowl was this past weekend. Congratulations to the New England Patriots and their AFL alumni, Greg Orton and James Devlin. I really thought we were going to see another former AFL player come away with Super Bowl MVP, too. How about Chris Matthews, huh? Didn't last long in the AFL, but he had a good six-game run in Iowa back in 2012. I notice NBC neglected to include that information during the telecast, but yes, before Chris went up to the CFL and won their Rookie of the Year award, he was a barnstormer in the AFL. So, there's that. I really think he was the frontrunner for MVP honors if Seattle doesn't give the game away. Nevertheless, it was a great game. Subpar commercials. I don't think Nationwide did itself any favors, but I have to imagine they knew what they were getting into there, so there was that. And uh, it was good to see Katy Perry paying homage to the L.A. Kiss uniforms during the halftime show. Quality stuff. Anyway, enough about the Super Bowl. It's over and done with, and that means one thing. We're next. Arena football is about 50 days away from kicking off season 28, and my guest today is poised to put up some big numbers in a new uniform. So on that note, let's get right to it. He's a three-year veteran of the Arena Football League and one of the newest members of the Jacksonville Sharks. Played college ball for Steve Spurrier at South Carolina for two seasons before finishing off his career at Tennessee State University. In 2013, he was named First Team All-Arena after leading the Tampa Bay Storm with 133 receptions and 42 touchdowns. He's also spent time with the Tennessee Titans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers, Hamilton Tiger Cats, and Spokane Shock during his professional career. Now he's part of a unit that will try to bring the Jacksonville Sharks back to the top in the AFL, one of the game's elite wide receivers, Joe Hills. Joe, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, little man. Absolutely. You made a pretty big splash a few weeks back when you made your decision to join the Jacksonville Sharks in free agency. After a couple of really great years in Tampa Bay, what made you decide that Jacksonville was the right place for you? Um, I mean, they, got, uh, they keep their core veteran guys together. And uh, I just, you know, after I talked to uh, Les Moss, it was, he had a pretty much, a, a pretty, you know, set plan on, you know, if you get me there, add me to the next, that I would be the key player to take us over at home. On offensive side, so, I mean, it, was, it sounded good to me. And, you know, and I always, I wanted to stay in Florida. And, you know, I, you know, I really didn't know what they were going to do with Orlando's coach. And, you know, Tampa was in the rebuilding mode. So, I just wanted to, you know, have a chance to win it all. Well, I mean, it's really looking like Jacksonville is going to be in a place where they can contend to win it all. You guys are loaded at receiver. John Harvey, Jomo Wilson, Jeff Hewley, London Crawford. Terrence Smith is a two-way guy down there. I mean, it's going to be a pretty intense position battle coming into training camp. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we've we, we all talked about it. And, uh, you know, we're all veterans. And, you know, we're all the coaches made their decisions. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I only play for the guy next to me. And, you know, that's, that's the whole goal. I don't, I don't think either one of us is going into camp thinking that we're going to get a man. We just want to play our parts. Well, however it does shake out, you're right. Jacksonville has acquired a ton of talent this offseason. With all due respect to the Cleveland Gladiators, there are a lot of people that have started picking the Jacksonville Sharks to be the representative from the American Conference at Arena Bowl 28. How do you feel about those expectations and predictions? Um, you know, uh, we just, we, we don't really buy into it, you know. We all know that, you know, it's just one game at a time, you know. We, our goal is to get off to a very, very fast start and, you know, make the playoffs early and then go from there, you know. We try to do it for chemistry and camp. And, uh, you know, just make it happen. We don't really worry about what the papers say. Obviously, you know, we signed some big-name guys with me, T. 
Sanders, you know, Joe Strikes, Tommy Grady, and, and the list goes on and on. I know we got a couple, we got a couple new linemen. So, I mean, we're looking to just, you know, get off to a fast start and just make it happen. Like you just mentioned, one of the reasons for those high expectations would be the Sharks' most recent acquisition at quarterback. How excited are you to start catching passes from Tommy Grady? <laughs> oh, man, my man, tell you, man, that's my guy. Uh, he, he, he's going to be a new addition, man. He's going to be, I'm, I'm positive he's going to, you know, be the same, Tommy Grady. So let's go back to the beginning. You were a two-sports star at Palmetto High School football, basketball, you actually finished your career as the second leading scorer in school history out on the court. Did you ever give any thought to playing basketball at the next level? Not at all, man. Not at all. I was just told like, all I did was rebound and get garbage points, man. I really didn't have any offensive game at all. Um, I always can tell with, you know, if you can tell me high school, you'll probably be the best in your class. But uh, I, never, I never really thought about it, man. I always knew, you know, what would be more successful for me was football, man. I, after uh, high school, I really didn't grow much, uh, you know, height-wise. I got a little bit bigger. I feel that a little bit bigger. Height-wise, I pretty much did the So who were your football heroes growing up? I mean, who did you look at and try to model your game after? Um, growing up, man, I always liked Keyshawn, man. Keyshawn was, you know, I'm, I'm from the area, you know, Keyshawn, and all the bucket here receivers were pretty much the guys I looked up to, man. Um... You know, we, as my career progressed, man, you know, obviously the came out with some of their talent, like Calvin, Jalapeno, Andre, Dante, Jazz, Dante, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, and all those guys. But growing up, man, I like the Keyshawn, man. Keyshawn was, you know, on the field, Keyshawn was probably one of the better receivers. Now, Keyshawn went to the other USC. You got offers from a bunch of schools, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, but Steve Spurrier recruited you to play football at South Carolina. What did you like about the Gamecocks program? Um, we're fighting good, man. We're fighting good. All those other, you know, uh, programs were, you know, two back, two receivers, or, you know, fifth. And, you know, uh, Spurrier was four wide, five wide, every play. And, you know, obviously I had a better opportunity to play there, you know, than, you know, going in to a two receiver set, you know. So what led you to transfer to Tennessee State for your last two years of college ball? Um, they wanted to turn me into a safety. Um, I really didn't agree with what they wanted me to do there, but, um, yeah, man, I, I wasn't really that big, man. I was like, you know, 6'3", maybe 180, and a safety, man, I was a guy. I didn't, I didn't like it, but, you know, and, uh, I actually sat out and talked to both Spurs, you know, it's trying to ask these. And they pretty much, you know, told me to play it for a little bit, give it a shot, so I did, and I didn't like it. That was pretty much, the, you know, the deal breaker. I, I'm still cool with Spurrier today, man. We still, you know, the same Texans every now and then, you know, just, you know, saying which, you know, things had it worked out different, you know, in both of our favorites, but, I mean, I have no hard feelings. So you finished out your career with a, a really good couple of seasons at Tennessee State. What was the draft process like for you? Did you get an invite to the combine, or did you have any sort of pro day or workout for NFL teams? Um, I didn't. I didn't get a combine invite. Um, pro day, I had a uh, 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 twenty nine teams there, and you know, I I got I ran I did everything they asked me to do, and uh, I had a bunch of you know free offers, and I decided to 
where I was. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much what happened. So Tennessee liked you. They ended up bringing you in for camp in 2011. Then on the fourth day of camp, you tear your meniscus. Pretty tough setback. How are you able to work through that and stay mentally tough during that point in your career? Um, I don't know, man. I, I just rely on my family. Um, you know, I stayed in contact with my family. Um, you know, they were always there for me. debut with the Spokane Shock in 2012, but you only played in five games with them. Then they decided to let you go. What happened there? getting ready and making that transition to the arena game? Because like you said, it is it, it is a difficult transition for a receiver. I thought I got right go from Spokane. I came home for about two or three weeks, and you know, all I did was pretty much work on BFL routes. You know, I never really ever ran on a BFL route until I actually got to Spokane. And Israel showed me how to do it, but, you know, by then, the season was already getting started, you know, and it was bad, it must be better than guys. So, when I actually came home and started working on the route, that's when it actually started making sense to me that, you know, this is how it's supposed to go, this is how it's supposed to end, this is how you're supposed to, you know, go about this route. So, I mean, that was pretty much it. I used to go out to the park and all that stuff and get a right motion out of all that. <laughs> must have worked pretty fast because you finished the year with Tampa Bay and you played five games, caught 13 touchdowns, averaged close to 130 yards a game. I mean, was it just all the, the work in between Spokane and Tampa? What was the difference when you came to the Storm? Oh, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Snyder, man, he, he actually, you know, was a guy who played key role. Um, when I actually got there, you know, I was in the side and, and I could catch was still there, I just had no knowledge of the game, and she actually sat me down and was like, you know, showing me clips of guys my size and my speed doing the exact thing that, you know, how AFL is supposed to be ran, and, and that's pretty much what got the ball rolling. Um, after that, man, it was pretty much, you know, just keep going, just keep going with it, you know, and after they gave me a shot, it was, you know, I actually played well, and then, you know, the ball was over for there. 
Now, in 2013, you dominated the AFL. 133 receptions, 42 touchdowns, first-team All-Arena for the first time in your career. At what point did you feel you had arrived at that elite level? Or, I guess, do you feel like you're at that level? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I still think I'm just one of the guys. Coach um, so Sammy did an excellent job, man. He just, you know, find little ways to get me the ball. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, but that's all they did was find little crafty ways to get me the ball. And they can showcase my talent. Um, I really don't feel like I'm elite. Um, there's some elite guys out there, you know, but I, I don't consider myself one of them. So who are your favorite guys to go up against in the AFL? I mean, who are the best cover guys? And obviously everybody wants to know, who talks the most trash? <laughs> wow, man, that's awesome, man. I didn't really get to that question, man. That's awesome. But, uh, um, so for me, I, I think Paul Stevens, man. I think Paul Stevens is one of the better guys. He's one of the, you know, the cornerstones of a defense. He don't really get the recognition that he deserves, but, um, I say he is probably one of the better cover guys of the motion. Um, you know, that'll be my number one choice. Uh, Kaiser, Kaiser, you know, the middle one, he's a, definitely a ball hawker. Um, I like his style. He don't really say much, though. And, uh, I like Dominic Jones. Dominic Jones is, you know, the ultimate trash talker. And, uh, <laughs> he loves the tackle. He loves the, he's really not a cover guy per se, but, I mean, what he lacks in coverage. He brings with force, so, you know, he's, he's definitely a hitter. Um, that's about it. That'd be my top three, man. Paul, uh, Kaiser, and, uh, and D. Jones. That's a pretty solid top three. And I know DJ takes a lot of pride in being the AFL's premier trash talker, so. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't, I wouldn't even feel right playing against him if he didn't talk trash. That's just his reputation, though, you know? You guys also have some pretty solid DBs down in Jacksonville these days, and one of them you know pretty well. I mean, you and Terrence Sanders actually grew up together on the same street. How crazy is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, he played a key role into it, man. Uh, actually, when he signed uh, and then Pittsburgh, you know, kind of folded, he was one of the first guys to call me. He was like, hey, man, you know, just, just take a look at him, man. I mean, obviously we're coming off a down year, but, you know, with a guy like you, you know, we can maybe land, you know, two of you guys, you know. And if we land two of you guys, they won't get a third one, you know. So he was the, pretty much the mastermind of it all. You know, he's like, man, you got me. You know, I'm here now. I mean, we can land you. Then we probably can land a, a, a really good quarterback. And then, you know, obviously the ball just went from there. I mean, we landed to me. We landed Joe. You know, Rayford came back. Then Grady jumped on board. Well, there you have it. Not only is Terrence Sanders an all-arena kick returner, he's also apparently an all-arena recruiter. Oh, yeah, man. He's going to have an excellent career. Well, Joe, it looks like things are shaping up pretty well for the Sharks this year heading into 2015. And I know fans are really excited to see what you guys are going to do. Uh, how can fans interact with you? Are you on social media at all? Uh, yeah, Twitter. I, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I just got it, man. I really don't know how to work it. Um, don't really have a lot of followers. Uh, Facebook is, you know, where I'm at. And, uh, I mean, being part of the reaction, just saying, hey, man, you know, glad you, you know, welcome to the Shark Tank. Glad you're part of our, you know, our, our organization. You know, you know, work hard and can't look, I look forward to seeing you guys in camp. 
you know, seeing what you bring to the table. And uh, most of the time, this day, man, we're trying to get scored against us, man. We, 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 we can't wait to see you score for us. That's pretty much what they all say. Well, all right. Let's use this opportunity to build up your Twitter followers. What's your Twitter handle? Matt Joseph underscore Hills 81. All right, Sharks fans. That's at Joseph underscore Hills 81 on Twitter. Let's get Joe some followers here heading into 2015. Joe, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it was great talking to you. Best of luck to you and the Sharks this season, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. All right, man. Well, there you have it. Interesting conversation with Joe. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that he doesn't consider himself among the game's elite, so to speak. It might just be him being humble, but who do you put in that category? Rod Windsor, Donovan Morgan, Tiger Jones. I personally think Joe's in that conversation, or at least heading in that direction. I mean, he hasn't had the long-term success that some of those guys have enjoyed, and maybe that is the separator, but I think he's certainly in the conversation. We'll see what he can do in 2015 with the Sharks to further his case. Tell you what, though, he might have a difficult time getting the numbers because that Jacksonville team is so stacked at wide receiver right now. they got eight on the active roster, and four of them are proven AFL starters. I look at what they've done this offseason, and to me it has a similar look to how Arizona has built their team. Franchise quarterback, solid rotation of pass rushers, and then think about the depth the Rattlers have at receiver. Windsor, Purify, Poots, Reed, and with Kerry Reed, he does some spot duty at Jack Linebacker as well, which makes me wonder if maybe that's a role we see Terrence Smith take on in Jacksonville this year. The depth that the Sharks have at receiver and defensive back, maybe that's where he fits in now. I don't know. They could also be thinking about some preseason trades as well. In any case, like Joe said, the Sharks have Arena Bowl on their minds, and the problem of having too much talent is really a good problem to have. Should make for an interesting training camp, if nothing else, that's for sure. That's going to do it for this week's show. I want to once again thank my guest today, Jacksonville Sharks wide receiver Joe Hills. Remember, if you like today's show and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple person, you can download the SoundCloud app and subscribe for free on there as well. OTN is coming back at you next week. Until then... I'm BJ Picard. Thanks for listening.